Maybe over the past few weeks, you've had a little extra time. Lots of us have. Maybe if you have a cup of toddlers, there's no more extra time. But for some of us, we've been thinking more about life and thinking about what matters. And it might be that you've thought, man, these, these things that used to matter to me don't seem very important anymore. Or it might even be that some of the things that were important are like super important now. And as things begin to get back to normal, we're a long way from normal, but as we begin down that process, you might be thinking, I'm ready to get back to those things that, that are really important to me. And one of the things that we could probably all agree on at any time, but especially at this time, is just this simple statement, we want life to mean something. We want it to be a value. We want to have spent this life to be able to look back on it and say, this really did mean something to me and the people around me. Now, how do you determine that? That's an important question. So we might think, uh, well, I hope to make the world a better place around me. Well, the problem with that is this question. Who decides what is better? Who decides what a better world really looks like? Because my guess is there's lots of opinions on that, even among us watching this video, but certainly among the whole scope of humanity. People would define that in lots of different ways. How do we decide what's better? Maybe even narrow it down a little bit and say, you know, in my life, what I want to be is a good dad, a, a good husband. Maybe you're thinking good wife, good, good mom, good child, good friend. Well, even there, who decides what it means to be a good spouse, a good parent? When we say those things, we're making a value statement. We're deciding that one thing is better than another. And the question to that always is, who decides that? How do we know what the best life, real life, is all about? For the next several weeks, I want us to think about that very question as we begin this new series today that we're calling Real Life. And in this series, we're gonna focus in on the Gospel of John, this, this great story of Jesus' life. And the way that we're gonna go at this is, is we're gonna just sort of see the whole sweep of thing, like we're, we're, we're in an airplane and we're just gonna parachute down at specific spots in the story and hear Jesus teach and see what he does and think about what Jesus has to say about what real life really is. So today I want us to jump into this and hear John and what he's saying about Jesus. And, and to do that, I want us to begin with the word gospel. Now, I've already talked about John's gospel, and maybe you already know that there are four gospels in the New Testament. Well, why do they call them gospels? Well, I think that's an important question, something that we need to think about. The Greek word that stands behind gospel is euangelion. And the way we see that word is it has two parts, you, which usually means something good, and then angelion. And you might see in that word, our English word, angel, right? Well, in the Greek, what that, what that word really meant was a messenger. And then you bring this over and turn into a different kind of noun, and it is the good news. It's a message, a good message, the good news. And so the gospel writers were presenting a good message. They were announcing news that for them was the very best news that they could be. So we're in John's gospel, John's statement, announcement of the good news about Jesus. So who is this John? Well, there's lots of Johns in the New Testament. It was a common name then. It's a common name now. 
This John, at least tradition tells us, remember that our oldest manuscripts don't have titles on them. They're not signed by anybody. We have copies of copies of what John actually wrote. So what we have is this good news, this announcement of the story of Jesus by one of the apostles, those closest to Jesus. This is John, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee that we read about in the story of Jesus. And and what we find is that John may very well be the one disciple who was closest to Jesus. And then he wrote this down and he gives us the story of Jesus. Now, if you read through all four Gospels, what you find is Matthew, Mark, and Luke were more similar. They are more alike, probably written earlier, okay, maybe within 30 years of Jesus' death. John's Gospel, though it's a little hard to date, may be written another 25 years later after that. And it seems to me that though John tells the same uh, sort of sweep of narrative that the other Gospels do, that he gives us some different details. He leaves some things out and fills in some blanks that we don't have from the other Gospels. And I think he does that on purpose so we get this fuller picture. My guess is John was familiar with at least Matthew, Mark, or Luke, maybe all three. And as he saw those, he, he remembered some things that needed to be told. And so he tells them. Here's what John also does. John tells us the reason he wrote his gospel. He tells us why he put all this down on paper, and he does it sort of at the end of the gospel. And so today I want us to begin nearly at the end of John's gospel in chapter 20. There are actually 21 chapters, but at the end of chapter 20, John tells us why he wrote this down, and it's going to inform everything we do as we walk through the story of John's gospel, everything we think about in terms of the real life that John talks about. So here's what he says. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 30. He says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Now that makes sense, right? You're with someone for three years. There's no way you can write down everything they say, write down everything they do. He's saying there's more to the story than this, but, but this is what I've given you. And here's why. Verse 31 is a key to understanding the whole gospel of John. Here's what he says. But these, what he actually wrote down, these are written that you may believe that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now that one verse is packed with meaning, and we need to unpack that a little bit. So John says he's written not just to tell a story. This is not historical narrative for the sake of just remembering who this Jesus guy is. He did it so that you, would, that you may believe, and he wants them to believe two things. The first is that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, what does it mean to say that Jesus is the Messiah? Well, Messiah is an important word in the Hebrew language and then carried over into the New Testament church. So Messiah means anointed one. Now, if you're going to anoint somebody, what does that mean? It means you're setting them apart for a specific ministry. And they anointed prophets. The prophets in the Old Testament we see are anointed. What that means is you just take some oil, you pour it on their head, and this signifies that they have been chosen to do this specific ministry. Prophets were anointed, priests were anointed, kings were anointed. And that's what's important for us today. And because each king is anointed, they are set apart to be the king of the people of Israel. And the prophets said there would be another king. And that king is Jesus. He is the Messiah, the 
anointed one. And John wanted his readers, many of whom were Jews, to understand that Jesus was fulfilling all of these prophecies from the Old Testament and that he was the one God chose to fulfill the line of David to be the king, but not just of Israel, king in a much broader sense. We're going to come back to that in this series. So he wants him to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. And we could say that the next word to bring over is Christos, which is the Greek, same word as Messiah. This is Hebrew. This is Greek. And so when we say Jesus Christ, what we're saying is Jesus the Messiah. Okay, that's the first thing he wants them to believe. He also wanted them to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, now he's speaking to a broad audience. Part of them are Jews. And for those Jews especially, he wants them to see that Jesus is Messiah. But for everyone, Jews and non-Jews, all the people who would read, including you and me, he wanted them to know that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus has a special relationship with God that no one else has. And he shows what that means all the way through the gospel, that, that Jesus is the one that opens the door for us to God in a way that no other human being could do it because he is God himself. He knows God in ways that no human being before him or after him has known God. So he can usher us in to a special relationship with God. So he wants him to believe two things. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. And we go back to the verse and we'll see that he finishes up by believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so if you believe this, Jesus is the Messiah, and you believe this, Jesus is the Son of God, his point is, again, not just knowledge, not just to learn facts, but that by believing it, you may have life. John shows us what real life is all about. And if we want a real life, if we want a life that is meaningful, which I think we all want, well, we got to turn to these stories to see that real life. Now, to fill that out, we have to go back to the beginning of the gospel, the way John opens it up. Right at the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 1, and he's going to lay out a little more about what real life is all about. So we're at the end of John, we're jumping all the way to the beginning of John, and then we'll sort of fill in the blanks over the next few weeks. So this is how John begins his gospel. And at first we go, what's he talking about? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's no shepherds, angels, wise men, mangers, no Mary and Joseph. It's just in the beginning was the Word. And we say, what word are you talking about? Well, this is what he means. When we hear in the beginning, I think for some people who have studied some of the Bible, it might bring something to mind. And it's all the way back at the very beginning of the whole Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 begins in the same way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John, at the beginning of his gospel, is pointing back to the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, the beginning of God being at work. And he's saying these things come together in Jesus, okay? That Jesus was there in the beginning. And so it's God's word that is present in the beginning. Remember how God created and God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. God created through his word. 
And so John is reminding us, Jesus wasn't just born in Bethlehem. Jesus has existed since before creation. Now, sometimes the scholars in the Greek times, the philosophers would use this word, word, and they would take that to mean wisdom. And I think John's talking about that partly, but it's something more biblical than just that, that Jesus was present even at creation. Look at verse two. He continues that thought. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Sounds like John's sort of going in circles, but the point is, Jesus is present in creation. Like there's nothing on the face of the earth, all the elements, everything that there is, everything you can see, everything you can't see. Jesus was part of creating that. And he was God's word going forth as a powerful force to create. And what John is trying to tell us is Jesus was at work in the beginning in creation. And man, Jesus is at work here in this story as he tells the story of Jesus powerfully at work as a human being. So it's not just God's word, it is God in the flesh. Then verses four and five. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, John reminds us here, Jesus is the life. Jesus is real life. Jesus opens up for us a life that we could not have without him because we can't get to God on our own because of our sin, because of the limitations of how we understand life and, and our own existence. We can't get there. But through Jesus, we can. And so when we think back to that truth we talked about at the very beginning, we want life to have meaning. Here's what I want us to take from this passage. If you want your life to mean something, start with Jesus. If we're going to think about real life, okay, I, I want a life that is full and meaningful, makes a difference, helps my family, helps my community, leaves the world a better place, start with Jesus. Because Jesus understood, since he was present in creation itself, the purpose the idea behind life, why God did this all, why he gave us life at the very beginning. If you want to know real life, if you want a life that means something, you got to start with Jesus because it's in Jesus that God showed us what real life is all about and how to make meaning in life. So we're beginning a journey together today to think about this real life, this meaningful life. And this is a life that if you read through John, what you find out begins here and now and lasts through eternity, okay? That we're going to spend eternity pursuing this God who gave us life in the beginning through Jesus, through his word. And there's two things that we can do as we walk through this together. And the first is this, to read the story of Jesus. Now, John has 21 chapters. We're going to be in this for nine weeks. So there's plenty of time to read through the gospel of John Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe you get through it even three times. But what we find there are these great stories. And, and if we want to know who Jesus is, if we want to pursue this meaningful life, the only way to do that is to actually read these stories. 
Now, a couple summers ago, some of you were with us, and, and we did some sort of a similar adventure through the Gospel of Mark. Mark is the Gospel of action. It's always, and immediately this happened, and immediately that happened. John has a little different flavor. John tells us some of those same stories. He has some action. But what we also see is John tells us so much more about what Jesus said. And as Jesus speaks the truth into the lives of the people around him, John is calling us in. And he's saying, I want you to believe. I want you to believe he's the Messiah. I want you to believe that he's God's son. And I want you to believe that so you can have life. So you can really live. So read these stories. And second, allow the story to give your life meaning. Allow that story to speak in to who you are and how you see yourself, how you understand that you are God's creation. And I am excited about this series. I'm always excited when we're ready to dig into Scripture and we know we're going to be just walking through a book of the Bible together. I'm excited to share this content with you and to walk with you through it. So let's jump in over the next few weeks, read the Gospel of John, maybe read it over again, and let's allow John to tell the story of Jesus so that we'll believe but not just so we'll believe, not just so we'll know some facts about Jesus' life, but so that we can have real life, so that our lives can be meaningful because we began with Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the, the man who wrote these words down for us, who, who let us know the stories of Jesus, of what he did and what he said, so that we can have the, the meaningful and full life that you want us to have, that you created us for. God, fill us with that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.